You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. I'm Chris Gordy. Great to have you guys along. Today's episode of Locked On SEC is brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness is here, and Run Your Pool has a better way to create your bracket. RunYourPool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. Appreciate you guys for making us your first listen every day. And, of course, tons of great ways to find Locked on SEC. We're on YouTube now. And, of course, wherever you find your podcast, appreciate you uh, listening to us. And if you made us your first listen, odds are somewhere along the way, your second listen was checking out uh, Locked on Kentucky podcast with our buddy Lance Daw, who hosts that. And we welcome him, him now to the podcast. Lance, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot, man. Just, you know, as as, a, as a March Madness draws closer, just getting more and more excited for that. It's one of the best times uh, of the year. And, you know, basketball's in full swing. It's just a great time for sports, man. It really is. And it's, uh, man, I mean, it, it's so fun once we get this time of year where we got spring practices underway, spring games coming up, uh, all the madness of March. And, of course, the SEC looks like they're going to – a handful of teams in the tournament and some really good ones as well. I, I want to start here, Lance, because um, I know the Kentucky just kind of announced this week about the uh, spring game. The blue-white spring game is going to be uh, April 9th, 1 p.m. Eastern at Kroger Field. Uh, going to be exciting to see all the different, you know, the guys that are coming back and also all the new pieces, some transfers and all that. But let's start here. The news just came out last week that – Kentucky did lose Liam Cohen, their offensive coordinator. He went back to the NFL, going to the St. Louis Rams, where uh, Mark Stoops had pulled him out of. But Stoops goes back to the NFL ranks for his next OC in Rich Scangarello. Kind of digging around, what have you read about Scangarello, and what can we kind of expect uh, as far as his offensive approach coming to Kentucky? Well, I'll say first here about Liam Cohen. I mean, as far as Cohen is concerned, I don't think any Kentucky fan was disgruntled at the fact that he was leaving. I mean, why wouldn't you want to go uh, be the OC for the team that just won the Super Bowl? So absolutely no hard feelings to Cohen. But I will say, I think what Kentucky was looking for in this new offensive coordinator was somebody that was very similar or somebody even from the same coaching tree as Liam Cohen. And obviously, Kentucky went out and brought in Rick Scangarillo who is from that Sean McVay tree, kind of that Kyle Shanahan tree and that Liam Cohen tree. It's something that Mark Stoops uh, noted in the press conference that they held immediately after hiring Scangarillo. They wanted somebody also that wasn't also somebody who was familiar with the Kentucky system. They also wanted somebody that was really, really good with quarterbacks. And they got somebody that has worked with a lot of different NFL quarterbacks during his time. Uh, Scangarillo has been with the 49ers. He's been with the Broncos. He's been with the Eagles. He's got a lot of NFL experience. And so I think that this, as far as, you know, as far as good hires and bad hires go, I mean, this one was simply a home run, in my opinion. Not only does Kentucky have the former 49ers OC, they also have the former 49ers uh, offensive line coach. Uh, in Zach Yenzer and the 49ers just made the NFC championship. If I could ever have my school pull the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach from a team that just went to the NFC title game, I'm all for it. So overall, I think that's just, a, it's a phenomenal hire from a couple of different perspectives. I'm really curious to see how Scangarillo just kind of smooth, smoothly transitions this offense into this season. I don't expect a whole lot of changes. I think I th schematically we're going to see a lot of similar things 
Um, but I expect the the numbers and the improvement with this team to go up because there are a lot of guys that, like you mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, there's a lot of guys returning. Yeah, and, and one of the big ones is Will Levis, who, you know, it, it, we literally just passed the one-year mark of when he announced he was transferring from Penn State to Kentucky. And there was a little bit of a transition period, but, man, the, the wide-open offense, the throwing the football, it was something – you know, I, I say, I mean, the, the, he basically, Liam Cohen, took the Kentucky offense out of the dark ages. And, I mean, they struggled to throw the football uh, for a couple years there. Will Levis really brought some stability to that position. How much does it help having him coming back for another year? Because there was some talk that his name was getting thrown around in NFL circles. You know, he wasn't going to be a first-round pick, but some people were saying, okay, he could get drafted. His decision to come back, how big is that? And I mean, continuity-wise, yeah, you lose your OC, but it feels like Scangarello is going to have a lot to work with with Levis building off of what he did last year. Absolutely, 100%. When you look at just the continuity, like you just said, I think things are going to flow very smoothly into the 2022 season. I think it's fantastic, the fact that Kentucky was able to bring back Will Levis, because when you look at what this Kentucky team is building towards, I think they are trying to build towards a more stable point when Kentucky, or excuse me, when Texas and Oklahoma enter the league. I think all of these different teams in the Southeastern Conference are trying to find stability points so that whenever that transition is made and schedules are changed and all this different stuff happens, teams are not necessarily hit as hard as they might have potentially been. I think Kentucky's in a really good spot, specifically just talking about this year with Will Levis, though. I think that this offense is going to improve, and I think that it's going to be really interesting to see, okay, how much more does Kentucky throw the football as opposed to last season? Something that I was saying, gosh, a year ago, year and a half ago, and you've probably had similar thoughts as well, is that Kentucky is a really good offense if they can just find a game manager at quarterback. And then they went out and got they got a guy like Will Levis, who is a little bit of a dual threat, very dynamic, uh, very, very strong arm. I can definitely understand the NFL appeal uh, this offseason. Very thankful that he was able to come back. He's a solid quarterback and he is not just a game manager. Like you said, he was throwing the ball all around the yard. Uh, during this season with the Wildcats. I think it's really, really good for him this season to return. I would not say that Kentucky's necessarily peaking this season, but all things considered, you get Georgia after their national title year. Is there, there a little bit of a lull there? I doubt it, but still, you get Georgia at home. That's probably the most important thing I'm looking at uh, heading into this season. You get the Bulldogs at home. You've got a lot of pieces returning on defense. You've got a lot of pieces returning on offense. The fact that you were able to bring back your quarterback, who was a difference maker for you in his first year with you, the fact that you were able to bring him back for his senior season with another NFL OC, I think it's a phenomenal move. Yeah, I, the the piece that I love that's coming back is Chris Rodriguez. Obviously, you know, he was a, a fantastic running back, one of the leaders in the SEC last year. You get him back. But, man, to me, the biggest moves are the two big transfer wide receivers coming in. Javon Baker from Alabama, who maybe a little bit underutilized there, um, you know, but obviously they, they were so deep at receiver. There were a lot of guys ahead of him on the depth chart. But Tavion Robinson coming from Virginia Tech – I feel like this is almost one of like the sneaky, quiet moves of the offseason. Like this is a guy who almost had 600 yards, five touchdowns at Virginia Tech. Like you lose Wondell Robinson, sure, and he was a big part of this offense, but two big-time weapons in Robinson and Baker coming in to help Will Levis in the passing game. 
Right. And I was having this conversation with somebody the other day about how, you know, they were saying it was like, does Kentucky's offense take a little bit of a hit now that all these different receivers have left the program? And I was sitting there going, I mean, if you watch Tavion Robinson's film, I mean, we just brought in another Robinson who I doubt is going to have a crazy thousand yard type of season. But he's certainly a guy that can go out there and catch 50 to 60, pa- 60 passes from Will Levis. And then you look at Javon Baker, and it's like, sure, I agree with you. He, he was probably underutilized, but anytime you can get a transfer from the, from the University of Alabama, I mean, you are just, you've got a fantastic prospect. Uh, so I'm really excited about Baker. I'm really excited about Tavion Robinson and their ability in this offense. I think continuity-wise, again, going back to what we were talking about with this new OC and Will Levis, I think they these two receivers are going to transition into the scheme seamlessly. I think they are going to play very, very well this season. And then also another receiver that I'm interested in seeing, Barion Brown, the freshman, I'm excited to see what he could potentially bring to the table. Not only do we have these two uh, transfers coming in, but there's a lot of young guys in this room, too, that will need to step up at some point and will most likely get a shot to step up this season. All right, here's Lance Daw. Sit tight, Lance. We'll uh, get back into some other SEC topics here in just a second. But need to remind you guys, March Madness, only two weeks away. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going to go for the usual or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here at Locked On, and we're running brackets with RunYourPool.com. Along with standard brackets, RunYourPool offers game types like Survivor or really whatever you want. They have so many different options. Uh, You can edit scoring. They offer more intel to make your picks, all the stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you got a business, RunYourPool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees, play with customers, clients, whatever. Clearly, we believe RunYourPool and believe in RunYourPool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us, for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, you can create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout. Get $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. Continue our conversation with Lance Daw, host of Locked On Kentucky. And uh, Lance, we, we talked a little bit about Kentucky in the first segment. I did want to pull it back a little because I know you follow the Auburn program very closely as well, as well as a lot of the teams around the SEC. So I want to start there. What have you made overall of the, the offseason drama with Brian Harson at Auburn? And how surprised are you that he was able to keep his job? Because, man, a couple of weeks ago it looked like it was pretty close to, uh, you know, him getting the axe. Yeah, you know, here at, at Auburn, there's always going to be some type of drama, whether it be surrounding the quarterback, the coach, it does not matter. Auburn's a very unique place in the fact that it never gets boring. At least it doesn't feel like it does. And since the beginning of the Brian Harson debacle, I don't know why, and I'm not saying I'm not sitting here saying, look at me, I got it right. I'm just saying there was a gut feeling I had that Brian Harson was going to be retained even though there was so much drama surrounding him, and it did look like at some point that he was going to be let go. I think that there are powers uh, surrounding Auburn that probably don't like Brian Harson as much as maybe some, some of the fans do. And so there are some boosters, some different people that possess a lot of power surrounding the program, and they, I believe, based on what I could tell, did not really appreciate how Brian Harson handles things or how his first year went 
And so there was a lot of discontentment uh, surrounding the program. And at the end of the day, it did not appear that uh, the program was willing to pay his buyout and tell him to walk. And that was kind of my initial gut reaction since the very beginning of the whole conversation. I was like, I don't think we can afford to pay another coach considering what happened with Malzahn, right? And so one way or another, I thought he was going to be retained. The question was for me is how is he going to come out of this? And he eventually did. And now look at Auburn. They retained Zach Etheridge, one of their better recruiters on on roster. They got Ike Hilliard, a new wide receivers coach who was coaching for the Pittsburgh Steelers, has a phenomenal NFL track record. There are rumblings right now that Auburn's going after a few high-star guys that are could potentially bring some value to the program. They are hitting the recruiting trail hard right now. I think Brian Harson, from a PR standpoint, has done everything he needed to do. He's been at basketball games. He traveled with the team to the Tennessee game. Um, he's been very active uh, so far since all of this, uh, this happened. So I'm very pleased with the way that Harson and his staff have come out of this, um, but it certainly was a wild time for a couple of weeks there. I'm curious your thoughts because we're going to get into spring practice here these next couple of weeks and we're going to see some quarterback battles across the SEC. We obviously have some that we already know. I'm going to take two guys out of it. Bryce Young is the Heisman Trophy winner. He's going to be the obviously preseason number one quarterback in the SEC. That That's indisputable. I'm going to take Will Levis out because we already talked about him. Who's your What other quarterback are you most excited to see in the SEC coming into next season? Well, I think there are so many different guys you could choose from. If we're just talking strictly transfers and new freshmen here, I mean, you've got guys like Jackson Dart coming in. You've got guys like Spencer Rattler coming to South Carolina. I would probably stick with South Carolina's Spencer Rattler. He's been a guy that's really intrigued me. Look, there are a lot of people surrounding Oklahoma that were not pleased with the way that Rattler played uh, during his time with the Sooners, but I think overall – He's a really solid quarterback, and I think we could see him play very well in Shane Beamer's type of system. I think last year, you look at the Gamecocks, something that they lacked was consistent quarterback play, mostly because all of their quarterbacks were were injured. Everybody seemed to have some type of broken arm or, or broken leg or something like that. I'm fascinated to see what Shane Beamer and the culture that he's infused into the South Carolina program, how does he take the next step in year two? And I believe a lot of it is going to have to do with how Spencer Rattler continues to develop as a college quarterback. I'm really excited to see him in Columbia with the Gamecocks. I think he's one guy you have to look at. And then also I'll talk about Ole Miss's Jackson Dart here for a second. This was a former five-star kid at USC and you go and watch some of his film He throws a phenomenal ball. I mean, he just had some really, really solid mechanics. Imagine what he could do in a Lane Kiffin type of system where they're throwing the ball around the yard. I'm really excited about those two guys, but I would probably lean for some reason. I don't know why I I would probably lean Spencer Rattler because I think he's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, I I mean, I'll talk myself in and out of it as the uh, as the offseason rolls along. But I keep like wanting to pick South Carolina as an upset pick in the East. I know Georgia brings back a lot. I know Stetson Bennett's back. I know you know Kentucky's going to be good. Tennessee's going to be good with Hendon Hooker back. But, man, if Radler can live up to what he was supposed to be at Oklahoma, South Carolina could play spoiler and upset some people and maybe have a chance to win the East. We'll see. I'll, I'll go back and forth on that as the uh, summer rolls along. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Let me just ask you this one more SEC question just looking ahead to football. Of the new, two new head coaches, Billy Napier of Florida and Brian Kelly at LSU, who has the better year one, in your opinion? I'll I'll say, and 
I, I don't feel like it's necessarily obvious, but I mean, you look at the state of the two programs. I think LSU is in a better position right now. I'll say Brian Kelly for a couple of reasons. First of all, I, in no disrespect to Napier, I think he's going to have a good year as well. Kelly is a proven winner, right? He was a proven winner at Notre Dame. And what was holding Kelly back at Notre Dame? I think consistently it was the ability to recruit the players that he wanted to. Now he's coming into a program at LSU where they can get just about any kid in the country that they want, especially in their own backyard. I'm really interested to see what Brian Kelly does on the recruiting trail over the span of his first year. And then also, I'm excited to see what he does with the guys already on roster. LSU still has a lot of talent. I know that they've lost some guys to the transfer portal. I know that last year's team wasn't necessarily the best LSU team that's ever been fielded. Certainly not. Um, But I'm interested to see what Brian Kelly, a proven winner with less talent, is able to do with a program like LSU that has more talent and has more ability to grow. So I'll say Kelly in year one will likely have more success. And again, no disrespect to Napier. I'm interested to see what he does with the quarterback battle there down in uh, down in Florida. But I think that Brian Kelly right now, one of the more interesting coaches in the SEC to follow. Yeah, I th- I th- the guy, a name we haven't even touched on, Anthony Richardson. I'm so curious to see, is he going to be the quarterback at Florida? If he is, man, at times he was electric. He could put Florida ahead of schedule if he is what he's supposed to be. More with Lance Dawn in just a second. We're going to talk a little SEC hoops with him in just a second. But first, uh, need to remind you about our friends over at Bet Online. Football is over. Basketball is in full steam, both pro and college hoops. And for all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news throughout the year. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, for boxing, UFC, uh, whatever it is, they have got it for you there at their website, BetOnline.net. Head on over to their website today. You can do so on your mobile device. Sign up. It takes two seconds to do. You learn all about their trends and all the action they got going. Bet online. It is where the game starts. And again, thank you guys again for making us your first listen every day. I want to remind you that you can check out the Locked On Bracket Breakdown coming to you March 14th right here on the Locked On SEC podcast feed and YouTube channel. Myself, along with Andy Patton and our betting expert, Lee Sterling, are going to give you in-depth breakdowns on every matchup as we fill out our brackets, so you don't want to miss that. Bringing back in our buddy Lance Daw. And uh, Lance, look, speaking of the tournament coming up, there's four really, really premier good SEC teams when we talk Auburn, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Alabama and LSU right behind them. I think all six of those teams are going to make it in the tournament. We'll see. Florida could maybe go on a run in the tournament. Maybe they punch their ticket. Maybe South Carolina, Mississippi State. We'll see. Uh, But the SEC is going to have some really good teams going into the tournament. In your mind, I mean, this is just my opinion. I've got Auburn and Arkansas, Arkansas, Kentucky, I think, are all potential Final Four teams. Is that kind of how you see it? I I would agree with that, yes. I think that when you look at Kentucky and Auburn right now, something that they're really struggling with, in my opinion, is guard play, and it's for different reasons. Kentucky, first off, has dealt with a slew of injuries throughout the season, but specifically to guards Ty Ty Washington and Severe Wheeler. They were turned uh, against the Razorbacks just the other uh, other night whenever they played the Razorbacks. I believe it was last weekend. Um, Did not shoot incredibly well, and Ty Ty Washington specifically, has really, really been struggling since he was injured. 
Uh, the Razorbacks able to pick up a massive win over Kentucky. Something that Arkansas is doing right now that's interesting is early on in the season, they were not playing team defense. They were not playing very well as a team. It was a hodgepodge of transfers that Eric Musselman got together to play, and now they've finally kind of come together. They've got some cohesion. They've gelled well. They're playing really, really good basketball on both ends of the floor. J.D. Note, which you see pictured there if you're watching on YouTube, just a phenomenal game against the Kentucky Wildcats the other day. I believe it was 13 of 26 from the floor. Shooting 50% and shooting that many shots is incredibly impressive. He really knows how to attack the rim, get downhill. This Arkansas offense in the half court does a lot of really interesting things if you go and slow it down. They know how to get different guys looks at the rims. They know how to get different matchups. Arkansas right now is probably the hottest team in the conference. But to go back to Auburn, we've covered Kentucky and we've covered Arkansas. Auburn really, really struggles with their guard play, but it's not because anybody's injured. I feel like opposing defensives have kind of figured out what the Tigers are about. They've kind of figured out how to push their buttons. Something that Bruce Pearl teams, after watching him uh, for, for several years now here at Auburn, something that Bruce Pearl teams tend to struggle with is high ball pressure. Pearl really likes to recruit undersized guards that are quick and can shoot and get to the rim. But whenever you face a team like Tennessee or Arkansas or even Mississippi State here uh, in, just a, in just a day or so, whenever you face a team like that that has length at the guard position, that is aggressive defens- defensively, that can really press- pressure your guards, it shuts down the half-court offense. If Wendell Green Jr. and Katie Johnson can figure out here down the stretch how to get to the rim better and how to shoot a little bit better from three, I think Auburn is a very dangerous team. Their floor, I think, is Sweet 16. Their ceiling is definitely a national title, but they've got to figure out how to get their guards to play more consistently. Who in your mind, and look, there's some great candidates. I've talked to JD, JT Note, uh, JD Note all the year. I've said that he's, he belongs in the SEC Player of the Year conversation. Oscar Sheboy, I feel like, has been the driver's seat. Jabari Smith, I think you couldn't go wrong with either. Who in your mind, if you could cast a vote for SEC Player of the Year, who would get it? I would right now, I would cast it for Oscar Sheboy. And it's not because I do the Locked On Kentucky podcast. It's just night in and night out. He is consistently the most dominant player on the court. It is fascinating to watch him battle for rebounds. And then his post moves are just absolutely phenomenal. Even whenever he plays against guys that are more taller than him, that are more physical than him, occasionally he'll face up against a five-star. He always finds a way to make it work. Really, really talented player. If he doesn't win National Player of the Year, I won't necessarily be shocked, but it'll be a little bit of a surprise to me. So SEC Player of the Year right now, in my mind, is Shibwe. I think three other guys that you could be looking at, uh, 100%, I think J.D. Note needs to be in that conversation. Just a prolific score at all three levels. Uh, And then also Jabari Smith. Also a prolific score at all three levels. Really, really good three-point shooter for the Tigers. But the third guy, I think, is not getting as much love as some people may need to give him is Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler's got two triple-doubles this season, both in SEC play. Really, really solid center for the Tigers. I think if you take him out of the rotation, Auburn probably struggles more than when you take Jabari Smith out of the rotation. He's been an incredibly valuable piece, and I think Smith is probably going to be drafted higher. I think overall Smith has a higher ceiling and a little bit more talent, but Walker Kessler has been so valuable to this Auburn team in terms of post-presence defensively and then also offensively being able to get their pick-and-roll game going incredibly well. I'll say this, as as somebody that's watched a lot of Auburn basketball over the past few years, Bruce Pearl's had different centers come in and out of the program, like Austin Wiley, who did not have soft hands. Walker Kessler can 
catch just about anything that you throw at him. He's been incredibly valuable in the post for the Tigers. So I think J.D. Note, Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, three other guys that you could look at. But Oscar Shibway for me right now takes the kick. Is this the most complete, at least I feel this way, watching Kentucky the last few years, this feels like the most complete team Calipari's had at least in a couple of years. He's he's maybe had more talent in recent years with, you know, better NBA picks. But, like, this feels like they are gelling and playing so much better cohesively than some of the te- teams in recent years. Absolutely. And it's kind of what I was I was talking about with Arkansas. And then you could also look at a team like Alabama early on in the season. They have really good individual players, but it takes a little bit of the time for them to become a really, really good team to see those guys actually work with each other to build a little bit of that chemistry. When you look at this Kentucky team, they've got a really solid post presence. They've got a couple of guys that can shoot really well from three. They've got guys defensively that will really, really hound you like Keon Brooks and Ty Ty Washington and Severe Wheeler. Um, they've got guys that can drive. They've got guys that can dish. When you look at all the different things that you would want a national title team to do, I mean, Kentucky statistically checks all of the boxes, and then when you actually watch them play, whenever they get down, they find ways to come back and then extend the lead that they, they then get. They can do so many different things. They can play games in the 60s. They can win games in the 90s as well. I think that this is, I agree, one of the most complete teams that Coach Calipari has ever put together. I think the one thing this team lacks, though, is a really solid backup big. Obviously, Oscar Shibway only 6'9". If Kentucky gets to the Final Four and we run into a team like Arizona or even Gonzaga, and I know they lost to St. Mary's the other day, but it's still a very good team. When you run into a team that has length and can run the floor just as well as you, how does Oscar Shibway win that battle? That'll be interesting to see. But yes, I do think this is one of the most complete Kentucky teams that we've seen in a few years. Certainly going to be fun, and it's going to be, the SEC tournament's going to be a lot of fun because there's such good teams, and who knows? Somebody could surprise us, like a South Carolina, and go on a run and punch their ticket to the tournament. But, uh, man, it really does feel, I don't want to say top-heavy, because Bama and, and, and LSU are very talented as well, could go on runs. So um, going to be fun to see how this plays out. Lance Daw, host of Locked on Kentucky. Let our listeners know where they can find the uh, podcast. Yeah, they can find the podcast wherever they get their podcast. Just search, search Locked On Kentucky, and then you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK as well. Lance, great stuff, man. We'll uh, do this again real soon. Thank you so much for having me on, man. All right, guys, that was our conversation with Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC. Hope you really enjoyed the conversation that he and I had about everything going on in the Kentucky sphere as well as what is going on around the Southeastern Conference. On tomorrow's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be previewing Kentucky basketball's matchup with the Florida Gators. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can also follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a good day, everybody, and God bless.